The Panhandle News Network. Here is your Panhandle forecast. Sunshine, nice day. High today, 71. Clear and chilly for tonight. Could be a few frosty spots. Low 36. Mostly sunny day tomorrow. A high at 68. And then partly sunny. Very nice day on Friday. A high Friday at 72. With your Panhandle forecast, I'm Steve Williams. The Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 17th and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Nicewarner alongside me, Luke Wiggs. Parker Stone's out for the day getting some car work done. But Luke, how you doing? Baseball yesterday, and uh, you know what? I think I know who was calling in on the line there. I think that? that was Parker trying to join us. Oh, well, we can bring him on. <laughs> I don't know for a fact, but Let's I think make that's sure. who it is. <laughs> WPM, who's this? WPM? You there? Well, he gave up on us, well, I guess. Yes, he did. Hang on. Well, he said he wanted to be a part of the show. He's fine. He just had some car trouble, which is... Well, Parker, if you're tuned in, give us a call back. Give us a call back. Name a more iconic duo than being in your 20s and having car trouble. Oh, and and not, not literally a lot of money the end to of the world. <laughs> and it's literally the end of the world. That's like with... Uh, well, let's see. Let's make sure this is Parker. WPM, who's this? Uh, it's uh, Parker oh, from his remote location. Oh, there he is. There he is. What up, Park? Oh, we're just we're just hanging out, man. How's the car coming along, man? Uh, I haven't checked it this morning. I thankfully got to my place safe, but I I haven't checked it this morning. I'm calling the Hyundai dealer once we get done with the show today and see if they can get me in. I think it's something with like, it's I think it's an electronic issue with something with like the brakes. Yeah, your brake lights won't turn off, right? That's not good. <laughs> no, yeah, the no brake lights won't cut off. Uh, it feels like it stopped or it feels like the car's breaking when i'm not breaking and it'll it'll excel back again Ooh. and then my uh my like traction light came on on the way back too so i don't know what the hell's going on well i hope you get figured out and i hope it doesn't uh break the bank for you because i know uh i know look like we were talking about car troubles in your 20s literally is the end of the world so uh hopefully you get that figured out but you were out and about yesterday and we'll get to talking about that jefferson softball uh regional win here in a minute because that was a heck of a game and you could listen to it right here on wpm and wcst but you were out checking out the hedgesville walkersville or hedgesville muscleman game right yeah that was that was a barn burner man that was such a fun one to be out for hedgesville barely pulled out the win and that one was walk off from lane to water pinch hitting in the bottom mm-hmm. of, the, of the seventh and we uh we checked the uh, stats on it, Luke and I did last night. That was Lane DeLauder's first at bat since April 27th. He's been mainly pitching for the Eagles. He call, he gets called up. Coach Grove pulls him in there and hits a left center single to score. And it was it was just fireworks. Four lead changes, three ties in this game at certain points. It was it was a point where Mossman converted two straight squeeze bunts. You had a little bit of everything in this game. It was it was fireworks. And then we talked at length about. 
these two just it, – it was an Ali Frazier type of environment over there, just counterpunch for counterpunch. And it, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better baseball or softball game all year long in the EPAC than that one we had last night. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was certainly a ton of fun. The question I got to ask you, though, Park, as somebody that was at the game, is I was getting updates from you while we were doing the softball, and every other update was somebody hit a home run out of that field. And anybody that's not familiar with Hedgesville's ballpark, I mean, it's a tough place to hit in. It used to be a football field. It's deep down the lines. It's it, it's it's still it's got some distance to center. But correct me if I'm wrong. You ha- you saw home runs in that game from both Baden Hartman and Brett Pedersen, right? That is true. Baden Hartman started off going the second half out of the contest in the top of the first. He he knocks one out to get the out from the one zero lead, and then they and then Hedgesville responded in the bottom of the second with Peters hitting that one dead center too. He hit it over that tall part of the fence in the baseball field of Hedgesville. That was an absolute shot, and the fireworks were going, guys. There was lots of hits in this game. Connor goes three for four for Hedgesville. Ruest goes one for four. He had a single that scored and gave Hedgesville the lead in the middle of the contest. And Ruest is really unsung here. Everyone's talking about the lottery today. Ruest coming in relief for Tanner Matthew really helped save the game, I think, for Hedgesville. The point where they hit the two straight squeeze bunts, that loaded the bases. Coach Grove had a mound visit, and Ruest kept all the kept all the runners at bay. And Musselman ended up scoring. That ended up probably winning the contest for Hedgesville, all things said. Well, if you head over to our uh, Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can see all the tweets from the games yesterday. But here's the video for, or the audio from the video of Lane DeLauter advancing the Eagles to play Jefferson in sexual final. <laughs> Man, what an environment at Hedgesville yesterday. That's a great ballpark, too, for uh, some high school baseball. But, man, it sounded like it was rocking over there, Park. Oh, it was nuts. There was there was a big it was a big game environment. Tons of people were antsy. Students filled in on both sides, and uh, the cool thing was when they uh, got that walk off. Some people, I guess, pre brought like those confetti things. They popped them off whenever they crossed that plate and they won that game. It <laughs> and was, they were ready for the win at the end. They, they were ready for it. Whenever French scored that winning run from second, they they let it off. Everything went nuts, and it was. It was a hard-fought win. Again, if you look at the season total for these two teams, they went back and forth every game they played this season. That was the fifth time they faced off against each other, and Hedgesville was the first team to win back-to-back against either one of them. It's, uh, again, I, I said it's gonna be, you're going to be very hard-pressed to find a better game in this entire playoff run, not only probably in the EPAC and probably the whole state of West Virginia than the one we had last night. It, it, it exemplified everything you looked for hard hit balls, good defense when it matter the most. And it, it's going to be a tough run. A lot of momentum now for Hedgesville. And I talked with Coach Grove, and I asked him, well, you got Jefferson coming up. They've had a lot of rest. How are you going to respond to that? And he said, well, they've been there before. 2019 was the last time Hedgesville was in this position, and they faced off with Jefferson in the region final. And he said he really basically boils down to they got to steal the game at home to have a chance in this one. Well, Parker was on location for that one. Again, you can see all that stuff over on our our Twitter page, at EP Sports Network. But Luke, right here on WPM and WCST on the air, we had Jefferson softball in that region game one. And boy, that was a fun one, too. It absolutely was. You know, Hedgesville just kind of came out and shocked the world. They scored the first run of this game. It scored just four runs total in the two regular season matchups against Jefferson. Then you had a crazy play um, in the third inning of this game, an infield pop fly that would have ended the inning. There was a collision between Jefferson players that extended the inning, allowed uh, Hedgesville to hit 
a bases clearing triple and, and take a five to nothing lead. And Jefferson had to come all the way back in that one. It was it was certainly exciting, uh, provided a lot of highlights, and then of course gave me an opportunity afterwards to catch up with Coach Desiree Waters. It was uh, similar to like Parker said in Hedgesville, just a really really fun environment in Shenandoah Junction. And here are some of the uh, highlights from yesterday's game. Kicks and deals the next. It swung on, lifted in the air to right field, twisting down the line in foul territory, but the catch is made. The catch is made by Graham, and the base is stranded, loaded for Hedgesville here in the top of the second. We head to the bottom of the frame. The 3-1 pitch swung on and lifted to deep left field, trending back towards the wall, but the catch is made by Boyer. Just a step in front of the wall. She makes the catch and saves a run. We're scoreless. It sends us to the top of the third. Standing on the third base bag. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Swung on. Line drive. Face hit. Left center field. And Hedgesville has scored first in this regional game one. Gracie Brown drives in her 32nd run of the season. Munslow peers in, gets the sign she likes, the 1-1 pitch, the swung on, ripped in the right field, it's down, and the Rabbits are loose. Coming in to score is Van Dyne, Cooper in to follow. Here comes Boyer around third, and she is safe. A bases clearing triple by Brenna Collis. And how about the Eagles leading 4-0 in the fourth inning? Full count pitch right down the middle, grounded to the shortstop. Cowan throws across the diamond, not in time. Another run is scored. Brown is able to beat out the throw. It's 5-0 Hedgesville. Brown, the overhead deliver. Here it comes. Swung on, grounded to the shortstop. Copenhaver makes the play to first base. Not in time. It pops out of the first baseman's glove. A run is scored for Jefferson, and everyone's safe. First pitch to her, swung on, hit to the pitcher. It's knocked down by Brown, won't have a play. And Brown flips it into center field. He gets away from the second baseman, and another run is scored. Franco touches home. Cowan advances on the pitcher's error, and two more have scored for Jefferson. It's a 1-0 pitch to Presley. Swings at this one and drives it in the air to left center field. Ranging back towards the wall. It's out of here. A grand slam. And Jefferson has taken the lead in the bottom of the fourth. Pandemonium and Shenandoah Junction. One swing of the bat from Taylor Presley has brought the Cougars back from the dead. You couldn't write it any better. Seven to five, Jefferson has regained the lead. One more chance to cheer here, potentially at Vickers Field. Here's the 0-2 pitch, swung on, popped up, and a shallow left field coming in to make the play is the shortstop Cowan for the final out. Eight straight retired by Becca Munslow in relief. Jefferson trailed five to nothing at one point, rally back and take the first game of this regional series, 10 to five. Let me start by asking you this. Things get a little nervy. I guess a teachable moment there in the fourth inning had a chance to end the inning, but you had the collision there with uh, Becca and the third baseman. I mean, a little bit frustrating. Obviously, you guys had to play from behind at that point. A teachable moment, though? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we've just had some oddball things like that happen to us all season, quite frankly. Um, um, so it's just cleaning up um, commu communication and things like that. Um, the girls are just... They're going after balls because they want to get to out, but they have to, you know, trust their teammates a little bit. So, yeah, uh, learned <laughs> a lesson learned, I guess. Uh, Becca had started five straight games for you, but you go with LaGreco in this one instead. Can you talk about the decision behind that, or the thought process behind that, and how you thought you did today? Yeah, so we want to get um, our, our other pitchers um, 
some some chances in some tough like play, uh, playoff games. Um, we kind of missed that opportunity uh, last year. We just went with Becca the whole time, and then we got in some trouble uh, down at States. Um, so we want to make sure that they're prepared for um, tough tough games. So uh, we'd like to try and give them a start here in regionals and um, have Becca come in as needed. But um, Alyssa did a great job. Um, she made it. Uh, we wanted her at least go three innings. She did her three innings. Um, I wanted her. She could have definitely gone longer if we would have just been hitting from the get-go. But, of course, we had to wait. So... And then Becca does a really good job coming in. Obviously, talked about the collision, a little awkward there, and then she gives up the hit. But after that, I mean, she didn't give up really much of anything. You have to be pleased with what you saw from her. Yes, yeah. After that, she did a good job. I mean, honestly, she did a good job coming in from the get-go. Like you said, if we just would have had that ball, then then those runs don't don't score. But, um, yeah, she does a good job um, coming in and closing out the game, so we're proud of her. Another little wacky moment, of course, in the fourth is what happened with, with Presley. Does she get hit by the pitch? Does she not? But, obviously, you and her are both happy that she got to stay in the batter's box because <laughs> right. what she did with the next pitch, right? Right, yes. Yeah, that's why I was just trying to tell her to stay focused. She was a little... Flustered, uh, I guess, how warm ups win and things like that. She was just kind of out of her element. So then she got upset that she didn't get the hit by pitch car or whatever. And so I was just telling her, hey, stay in your zone, select good pitches. And then she smacked that ball. So. <laughs> Oh, well, don't feel obligated to answer, but what's the pitching plan going to be for at Hedgesville tomorrow? Oh, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but lastly, for me at least, uh, home field advantage. You you know, you're down 5 nothing, but you rally back. You've kind of got a firmer grasp on the series to ask you the obvious. It's, it's important to win this first game at home, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and being home plays a big difference. You know, the, the student athletes and uh, other kids come out. That, play, that plays a difference, especially when we're down. So, yeah, it was a good – thank goodness we were home. <laughs> that wasn't the only postseason action in the panhandle. Hedgesville claimed their first sectional championship since 2019. Lane DeLauder hit a walk-off single to defeat the Musselman Appleman Parker Stone was able to catch up with Hedgesville head coach Eric Grove after the game. Coach Grove, let me be the first to say congratulations on your section title and what was arguably one of the most, if not the most, exciting game of EPAC baseball we've had this entire season. Your your emotions after what was a really hard-fought win tonight? You know, these, these kids just deserve it because they bought into the team concept that matters, when it mattered, and, you know, nothing – signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning the game and you know you don't it's it's a big moment and everybody was prepared and so that's why it came to be and i couldn't be more proud of everybody i think the name of the game for your team throughout this playoffs has been overcoming adversity you get beaten game one you mercy rule Musselman in that game two a little bit of a layoff with a rain delay over the weekend and now you come and end things here today what does that mean for your team to overcome all that adversity come in you come yourselves down three runs to one coming in at a moment and then a big home run kind of turns thing five run inning for you early on that momentum swings and how many momentum swings there was in this game what does that speak to your team yeah, well, we've been some cardiac kids at times this year but this team hasn't quit and you have to show resilience in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It's how gritty you become. This team really developed that over their high school career. And a lot of big hits in big spots tonight when sometimes that was absent in some of our losses this year. So that's just a growth and just believing that you can do it. You face off with Jefferson next week in the region final, a trip to go to states. Yourself, Coach Lowry going against each other in what's going to be an exciting regional final. You, you prepped up any for that just yet? Uh, I mean, they're a very talented team. They pitch well. They're not going to beat themselves. And so 
We've been at this with them before. Similar circumstance four years ago. Gotta believe. And uh, they're gonna be ready to go. We gotta put our foot on the gas pedal, try and steal one down there. I'll end with this coach. See the banner over there 10 years ago. You won a state championship in AAA. How are you feeling with this year, maybe making it 10 years ago to the day? Seems like a pretty open state to me. This team is peaking at the right time. And I've had a couple people tell me that we're part of that team, and I was around it enough to know that this team's got some of those qualities. Let's make it happen. So a lot of great action out on the Diamonds yesterday all around the Panhandle. Of course, uh, you heard all the highlights there, and you can go back to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network uh, to catch the videos and some of the audio as well. But let's talk about that Jefferson Softball Region 1 game again, rallying from 5 down to a 10-5 win. It sounded like it was just as raucous as that game in Shenandoah Junction as it was uh, across the interstate there at Hedgesville. So uh, looking at that game, Luke, does Jefferson, I mean, do they have all the pieces to the puzzle to make a long run? They do. I think my biggest takeaway, unfortunately, from this game, uh, from a Hedgesville standpoint is I think they used up all their ammunition they're up five nothing through four Gracie Brown was really setting settling into a rhythm on the mound and then things just kind of fell apart for them uh and it makes me worried that we're gonna have the second game on tonight that that might have been all she wrote for Hedgesville now Hedgesville gets rejuvenated by way of the fact that they get to play at home and that's mm -hmm. a tough place to play but um I think they used up a lot of their ammunition but there's it seems like every time something major happens here there's just a unique storyline to go with mm -hmm. and both of these games had really interesting storylines for me that that uh taylor presley grand slam was the decisive hit in the jefferson game and i should have said it earlier you heard it there in the tape bases are loaded presley comes up and the first pitch hits her on the elbow or so we thought umpire awards her first base hedgesville comes out and says well hold on let's talk about this and Ooh. it gets overturned so she gets sent back to the batter's box, and she's furious. And I, I couldn't tell exactly what happened, even though I was right behind home plate. So uh, bottom line is everyone's back to where they were, and it's just ball one. And Presley's furious, and Coach Desiree Waters alluded to that. She, I have to calm her down. Very next pitch, left center field grand slam. You know, and so that's just a, a crazy thing. And and like Parker just said in the in the Hedgesville baseball game, Lane Delauder had not taken an at bat in 19 days. Mm -hmm. And just for whatever reason, I guess he was swinging the bat well and coached or a practice and coach just decided a junior, let, you know, let's put you out there and see if you can make a play. 19 days after his last at bat, he delivers the sectional championship game winning run. So you didn't have to look far for storylines that made both of those games just spectacular. Well, we do got to get to our first break of the of the hour and then coming up, we'll go. Back from this break, real quick uh, segment. And at the bottom of the hour, we have uh, Shepard uh, um, Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush coming in to talk about a potential uh, new scoreboard maybe going up at Ram Stadium, which would definitely look pretty cool over there. We'll be talking to him at the bottom of the hour. We'll step aside real quick. We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs. And joining us on the phone is Parker Stone, as he's dealing with a little bit of car issues. Hopefully it's not going to be too bad. Uh, but go figure, fellas. It only took, what, however long for West Virginia to have high school lacrosse, and Martinsburg is now in the state championship. <laughs> uh, I mean, congratulations to them. It's awesome. Uh, I think it's great that lacrosse is starting to trickle its way through uh, the state. But go figure, Martinsburg, they're always great at everything, and now they're uh, back up in the top, both boys and girls lacrosse 
going for a state championship and two really fun games uh, just yesterday and the other day. Yeah, absolutely. So so Martinsburg had to beat Hedgesville in a little bit dramatic fashion and then defeated John Marshall to go to the state championship and girls lacrosse. Uh, the boys lacrosse team is going to play for a championship as well here in the coming days. Uh, the, the thing I will say, I said this on the broadcast last night, actually. So the way that uh, lacrosse is broken up in the state of West Virginia is different than every other sport. Because there can't be lacrosse at every school in the state. No. There's no way. So they have two classifications, like soccer, but there's Division One and Division Two. And they put the more experienced teams in Division One, and kind of the newer teams or teams that have less successful pasts in Division Two. So both Martinsburg boys and girls lacrosse are going to play for a Division Two state championship. Uh, and I don't know if that means you get promoted to Division One. That would yeah. be a ton of fun. Uh, but there's a great write-up in the, the Martinsburg Journal, per usual, by Rick Kozlowski. Uh, but congratulations to both of them. I know the Hedgesville, this is the infancy of their program. Mm-hmm. If I, it's either their first or their second year of having girls across, and they were just uh, a couple of games away from a state championship. So that needs to be commended. Uh, but Martinsburg will be playing for some some hardware here coming up for the Division Two state yeah. championship, and we'll make sure to keep covering it. Yeah, going down to Elkins to play in Saturday's state Division II state championship. And I think what Spring Mills had to have been one of the first, if not the first school in the state to bring lacrosse in um, to things. But you're talking about Rick's story, his write-up uh, in this morning's journal. Uh, the beginning of this article is perfect. He says, a six-goal scorer in, lacro- in a lacrosse game is called a sock trick. When Caitlin Henry scored her sixth goal midway through the second half, no one threw away any smelly socks on the Walker Stadium turf. Tuesday evening. So there's some great uh, visualization there from Rick Kozlowski, the Martinsburg Journal. But uh, lacrosse is so much fun, man. Girls lacrosse, I have a, a brand new appreciation for women's lacrosse after going down and covering a couple of those Shepherd lacrosse games because I, I'm aware of lacrosse. I mean, growing up in Maryland, it was, uh, I mean, it's basically the second sport you figure out how to play after baseball. But I mean, it's way more physical than I ever thought. They're running way more than I ever thought. And it's an athletic and fast game out there on the turf. So congratulations to both the boys and girls teams over at Martinsburg for making their way to the state, uh, state championship games. Parker, you ever played the cross? I had no. There weren't, there weren't a ton of teams where I grew up at in Virginia that had it. I think that uh, Rockbridge County, which is about 40 minutes down the road where I grew up at in Lexington, Virginia, had it. But, I no, they never offered it or anything, but I – from what I've seen, you've got to be a heck of an athlete to play lacrosse because it's a lot of moving back and forth, a lot of precision with it as well. It, it's a tough sport to play, and if our listeners have kept tabs on our uh, Shepherd coverage last season, Ferris State's quarterback, his name's escaping me, but he was a lacrosse standout. He turned out to be a Harlan Hill caliber winning quarterback for Ferris State last year too, so you got to be – a heck of an athlete to go play lacrosse, and it speaks to the levels of what Martinsburg has done in a short number of time to take not one but both of their teams to a state championship game. That's impressive stuff for the Bulldogs. It's like a mix of soccer, lacrosse, or lacrosse, of course, it's a mix of that, but soccer, <laughs> hockey, hockey, yeah, it's all kind of football, even in there from time to time, but it's it's a fun sport, man, and I remember, man, we probably, my senior high school, we probably would have won the state championship if all my buddies that grew up with playing baseball and Little League and Pony League and things wouldn't have gotten drawn over to the lacrosse <laughs> side of things. But lacrosse is a great sport, and I'm glad that it's starting to uh, bud here in the state of West Virginia. But we'll step aside here briefly again because at the bottom, or coming up after this break, we'll have uh, Shepherd Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush in because they have a uh, fundraiser going for potentially getting a new scoreboard at Ram Stadium. A nice big video board. So we'll talk to Chauncey about that after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. 
Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone joining us on the phone and joining us in studio from Shepherd University, Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush. Sir, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. Appreciate you stopping in this morning. And uh, you're in to talk about one specific thing, about that scoreboard that could potentially be coming to Rams Stadium. But before we get to that, yeah. I'm looking here at the Rams Athletic website, and I see nothing but athletic honors coming out for all these different athletes from across the sports. And Shepherd Athletics have been Super successful the last, what, decade, I'd say, decade plus. And that's got to be pretty good feeling for you. But to see all these athletic, these athletes coming up with these academic honors has to feel pretty good, too. It's amazing. And, you know, that's why our students are there. They're student athletes. They're students first. We have really great kids that take academics seriously. You know, we talk about it as an administration. We talk, you know, our coaches talk to them about it. I think this year we were over 3.0 cumulatively this semester across all of our student athletes. So it's very important. If you're going to be at Shepherd, you want to be eligible. You want to make sure that you're progressing toward graduation because mm-hmm. that's the ultimate goal right. at the end of the day. Right. And it was certainly a, a exciting and fun spring around Shepherd Sound, specifically at Shepherd University. Of course, you had uh, baseball and softball having great seasons across, also playing well, golf too. But then you had the football guys, the big, well, the big four, but the big three yeah. end up getting, uh, you know, through that whole process. And they get signed. It had to have been exciting for everybody on the staff. Absolutely amazing. I mean, to be talking that much about the sport of football at Shepherd so far after the um, fall season, is it's a blessing. It's amazing. And for those young men that have, are going to have an opportunity to hopefully reach their dreams and goals, mm-hmm. we are ecstatic. And I know Ram Nation is really excited and pulling for them as well. Absolutely. And I know, uh, well, a lot of other colleges, as soon as they get some guys that go to the pros, that alumni letter gets there a little <laughs> bit quicker. It's there a little bit quicker because you know uh, that check might be a little bigger. But let's talk about football. Let's talk yeah. about Ram Stadium, the yeah. Allen and Sarah Lewick. Lewick. Lewick scoreboard uh, could potentially uh, be happening there. So Ram Stadium, I think, is what a – I mean, Luke, you can also – and Parker, too, on the phone, uh, you can give your opinions as well. But I think Ram Stadium, especially on a Saturday, is the best place for, if you want to call it, small school football, right? Yeah. And the only thing it's missing is video board. Yes. So let's talk about this Allen and Sarah Lewick scoreboard that uh, could potentially be coming to Ram Stadium. Absolutely. So as, as you said, we think we have a great atmosphere. And one of the things that we're missing is a really nice scoreboard, an LED video board that has some static sponsorship that will give us another asset to go out and try and raise funds. So mm-hmm. that is what we're trying to do. And for those that know of the Lewicks and specifically Sarah Lewick, she was the salt of the earth. She was, you know, Jefferson High School and Shepherd University Athletics. Just amazing, amazing woman. And um, in communicating with Dr. Hendricks, the president of the university, she said, we have to figure out a way to memorialize her. And Come to find out, you know, several years ago, I had already, I was already thinking about yeah. the Allen Sort Sarah Lewick scoreboard. So yeah. I had already had a mock-up done like four years ago before the, you know, the pandemic right. hit and all that right. stuff. So I already had a mock-up and I said, Dr. Hendricks, I think this would be the perfect way to memorialize Sarah and, you know, also thank Al for everything that they've done for Shepherd University. And here we are. We're about $130,000 in from a donation and pledge standpoint. Quick. Yeah, pretty quick over yeah. the course of a couple of couple of weeks. And the ultimate goal is 300000 So that's what we're trying to raise. From a facility standpoint, then, where would you think this would put the, the football facility, locker rooms, the full game day experience for fans as well? 
you know, adding a video board, of course, you've been all around the PSAC. Where yeah. would this put Shepherd facility wise in terms with the teams in the conference that you're trying to recruit against? Yeah, again, I think we have a quality uh, facility. Obviously, we're uh, in the PSAC. We are competing against uh, larger institutions with more resources. But, you know, I think I would certainly put and I'm obviously biased, but I would put Ram Stadium up there with, you know, the best of the best in our league and in our region as well. Again, I, you know, the one thing that we're missing is, is the scoreboard and the scoreboard, I think, would, you know, certainly put us at the top or pretty close to the top of, you know, anybody in our region. Right. And, and of course, if you were to build a video board, uh, that would lead to the question of how are you going to facilitate putting content on it? You know, if, if you're able to, to raise the money for the video board, is there already plans to, you know, to incorporate more video and more opportunities to have uh, stuff and graphics on there for game day? Yeah, you know, that's what's really exciting about having a video board. I'm sure, you know, people that are certainly more tech savvy than me that would be on my team would have to figure that out. <laughs> So I would try I would try to quarterback it, but you know, I don't think I'm gonna be able to figure out how to, you know, program so forth and so on. But I think that's what would bring even more excitement to the environment at, at, at Bram Stadium. Now we are joined by our third uh, part of the show here, Parker Stone on the phone. Parker, you got anything? Absolutely. First of all, Chelsea, good morning to you. I'm kicking myself I couldn't be there this morning, but uh I guess the car picked a long time to mess up. But I wanted to ask you this. So of course the scoreboard project a bit being going on right now, so once this project is ultimately completed and implemented, what's the next step for athletic improvements at Shepherd University? Where's the eyes going to turn towards that next? Really, the biggest piece is um, a expansion of Boone Fieldhouse. So, you know, I think the facility is about 20 years old. And, you know, as I'm tooling around the, you know, the PSAC and, you know, obviously I've been to several um, institutions in the Mountain East Conference, so forth and so on. That would be the next focus. We need to expand that facility. We need to, um, we need a larger weight room. That is yeah. one of the biggest issues and challenges that we're facing um, as an athletic program. So if we could somehow expand Boone Fieldhouse, and my vision is, you know, take the current weight room, turn that into a new, I'm sorry, take the current locker room mm -hmm. at Boone Fieldhouse, turn that into a locker, I'm sorry, weight room space, and then expand back toward the community and build a new locker room for the right. football program, that would be ideal. And that weight room space in Boone Fieldhouse would be for all sports. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't just be for football. So, you know, that's kind of the next big project. And, you know, that's probably a $4 million project. Right. So I'm not sure if we're going to be able to raise the funds for that. <laughs> so we're hoping that, you know, if somebody hits the lottery and, and donates, yeah, donates that money <laughs> toward us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fisher, Tyson Bay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need somebody to hit the lottery or, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe we can find some grants through the state or something like that to help us with that project. Now, the big question with this potential scoreboard, where are you going to put it, right? Now, you talked about Boone Fieldhouse, how you're, you know, that's on the list of things to be renovated, to be updated. So you don't necessarily want to put a huge structure like this on top of that if you right. want to add on to it. Right. So, of course, I got the bridge crew in my ear 24-7. They're always asking me about Rams football. And they saw all the stuff about the scoreboard, and they were yeah. like, you know, I, they, <laughs> they don't want to put it there, put it somewhere else, put it here. So where are the potential places for the scoreboard? And where do you think, if you want to put, you know, a, a word out there, where do you think it should go? So the potential spaces it could go, places it could go, obviously on top of Boone Fieldhouse is, is certainly one, and I'm sure the bridge crew would love that because they would have basically a big old big old TV to watch from. from the, yeah, you know, I know it would be great there. Um, the concern there is if we are able to find some funds for the Boone Fieldhouse project, 
we wouldn't want to have to work around right. the scoreboard. You know, obviously at the opposite end, in front of the bridge crew. Plenty of space. Plenty of space. <laughs> it would allow everybody that's mm -hmm. inside of Ram Stadium to right. see the board. Right. And I stress inside the state inside the stadium. <laughs> of course. So we're we're batting it around to try to make, you know, try to figure out what the best case scenario is. Well, I'll be sure to pass that along. Uh, I might not tell you what they say back, but I'll be sure to uh, to pass that along. Again, we're speaking. I, hey, and I appreciate the bridge crew. I don't want them Absolutely. to think that, that we don't. But, but, yeah, hey, some, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. You no, know? and that is, I mean, that is the perfect place yeah. for it, right there. You know, yeah. then you can have a nice big scoreboard. You don't yeah. got to worry about it being in the way of anything. Yeah. Again, we're speaking with Shepherd University Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush. Um, so, of course, we're talking about the uh, the Sarah look the or Lewick, apologies, Lewick. the Allen and Sarah Lewick uh, scoreboard, which if you go to Shepherd Athletic uh, website, you can find links there to go uh, read the story about the Lewicks, which is a pretty impressive story, like you were saying. I mean, they seemed like they were some pretty integral alumni uh, at Shepherd University. I mean, alumni of the year in 2013. It's pretty impressive to have people like that at your school. Absolutely all in. You know, they have supported, again, Jefferson High School mm -hmm. as well as Shepherd University for decades and decades and decades and you know i wish i had a hundred more of them but you know obviously we don't and again when you have people like that in your corner you want to make sure that you know you take care of them and you you know somehow memorialize them so that people don't forget how important they were to um you know to our institution not absolutely. just athletics absolutely to our entire institution so absolutely. we're excited about the potential to do this board for them so where can people go other than the athletics website to uh you know maybe if they want to send a check or donate where can they go to do that yeah so the suac shepherd university athletic club we have our own web page so mm -hmm. it's suathleticclub.org you can just click on current fundraising projects and you'll see the allen and and Sarah Lewick board yeah. and just click on that link and you can give, or again, you can obviously send in a check directly to athletics or to our foundation, just put Lewick board on it and we'll make sure that it gets to the proper place. I wanted to change gears really quick. Cause I know we want to end on a good note and certainly talk about some golf here, but yeah. I, I wanted to <laughs> ask you a question, you know, covering Mountain East conference over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Now the PSAC as well. Yeah. One of the concerns I've heard from universities and athletic departments even is uh, the decline in enrollment. Uh, just generally population wise and why division two schools have started to lean a little bit more on athletics yeah. to booster those numbers. Although we've seen some decline in scholarships allowed yeah. uh, in your estimation, uh, the state of the strength of Shepherd university right now, because I know schools across West Virginia, Pennsylvania struggling to meet those enrollment needs and fund their athletic programs. Uh, what's this current strength of Shepherd as a university, I guess, and as an athletic department? Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously the pandemic a couple of years crushed, um, student enrollment across the nation. And, you know, obviously Shepard dealt with it as well. Uh, what we were able to do is we were able to um, put some money into marketing the university like we never had before. So we've always marketed it, yeah. obviously, but we thought that we needed to do more. And, you know, um, our enrollment management department has done a great job over the last couple of years. Last year was the first time that we were above our enrollment pre-COVID. Wow. So I think we were up you know, maybe like 100 students or something like that. And every student is important, obviously. So we're continuing a great trend where there's still a lot of institutions that are, are unfortunately, they are not. So I think we're in a good place. We're continuing to grow. And one thing that I would love to do if we were able to figure it out from an infrastructure standpoint, I would love to add sports. Yeah. I know you guys were just talking about um, lacrosse. Mm -hmm. I would start a men's lacrosse program at Shepherd in a heartbeat. Um, I would love to bring back men's and women's swimming. Yeah. You know, field hockey is another sport that um, is in the, the PSAC, 
they need another program. So I would love to start field hockey, but it's all about the infrastructure. You know, we need a larger weight room. Mm -hmm. We need locker room space, so forth and so on. So again, if anybody out there hits the lottery, <laughs> let me know. I got some really cool, cool ideas over here. Well, it certainly seems like Shepard. I mean, I grew up just, you know, across the river in Hagerstown and to be honest, when I was going through high school and things, I knew of Shepard, but I never really knew of yeah, Shepard, yeah, yeah. right? I never really came onto the radar. But now, I mean, in the last couple of years, you see more and more people with license plates yeah, and stickers yeah. with shirts around. So it seems like the status of not just the athletics, but Shepherd University certainly is in a pretty good spot at the moment. Yeah, the growth has been amazing. You know, obviously I was a student athlete mm -hmm. um, at Shepherd, you know, 30 years ago. And I would tell people, you know, I play football at Shepherd College. And they're like, where, what, where, <laughs> who? <laughs> who? Growing up just outside of Baltimore City in, mm -hmm. in Columbia, Maryland, you know, now if you're walking around, you know, the region, whether it be Maryland or Virginia, you see Shepherd lacrosse or Shepherd football or Shepherd basketball. Yep. I've been on cruises and see somebody with, you know, Shepherd shirt. I, hey, you know, it, it's really <laughs> been exciting to see the growth of um, the university over the course of the last 30 years. Right. We still have room to grow, obviously, but, you know, it comes with, you know, everything that we're doing from a marketing standpoint, it comes with having successful programs. And, you know, I think that's the two things that are really driving it. So you look back to when you were uh, playing back at Rams Stadium back in Shepherdstown back in the day. Did you ever think that it was going to get as big as it is now, especially now that you're, you know, running things? Well, as a, you know, a, na a naive, you know, 18 or 19 year old kid, obviously I'm not thinking 30 years down the road, yeah. but, you know, it's been really great. So I just finished up my seventh year um, as the athletic director at Shepherd. And it's just been great to see the success that, you know, again, we've had on the field and, you know, obviously off the, off the field right. of court as well. And, you know, it's just really neat to be a part of it. I, you know, I believe blue and gold, you know, I'm a Ram for life. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of this whole situation. Well, before we let you go, let's talk about, because it's not only wedding season right now, it's also <laughs> golf tournament season yeah, at absolutely. the moment. If I get another email from one of my buddies about a golf tournament happen, man, it's incredible. But Shepard's got some big ones going yeah. on. Your golfer, your stick, I've seen you out there a time, time or two. So let's talk about some of these big uh, golf tournaments coming up. Yeah, absolutely. On Friday, June 2nd, uh, we're having a golf tournament at uh, the Club of Crest Creek in Shepard's town that will support men's and women's uh, the men's and women's golf programs and that's a two-person scramble you know typically you have these four-person scrambles so I think this is a really oh, yeah. unique you know opportunity to do kind of a, a two-person deal it's a lot of fun and again those proceeds go to help our men's and women's golf programs and then on Friday June 16th we also will be hosting our annual football golf tournament and that is the traditional four-person scramble uh, 9 a.m. tee off at the club at Crest Creek um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's always great to get a lot of football alum back. You know, it's a Absolutely. great event and all those proceeds obviously go to support the football program. Well, in your estimation, then excluding yourself, of course, and the athletic department coaching staff, who's the best golfer? <laughs> excluding myself. <laughs> That's a good question. I would probably have to say we have a, a, a one, he's two years in now, but, um, our, uh, Defensive back coach and special teams coach Luke Wright. Mm -hmm. He's a pretty good stick okay. for sure. Um, I don't think Coach McCook plays a lot. We're trying to get him playing a little <laughs> bit more. Um, I know our our men's soccer coach. He plays a little. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, our women's soccer coach Sam O'Dell. He plays a little bit as well. So I think he's he's a decent player. But outside of myself, <laughs> I would probably have to give that to Coach Wright. Well, I'll tell you, I might have to protest it if uh, Ziemba <laughs> and them win again this year, like okay. they did last year. They were like 18 under. We're like, come on, boys. That, like that course was playing a little harder than 18 under, uh, at least for us. Right, right. I don't know about everybody else. Uh, but again, we're speaking with Shepherd University Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush. Uh, Parker, got anything else before we let him? 
I think I'm good. Definitely a lot of good information there, a lot of fun stuff. And, yeah, if anybody hits the lottery, give Chauncey a call. <laughs> Thanks for that, Parker. I appreciate you. Well, sir, I appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning again. Uh, head over to the Shepherd Athletic page or to the suathleticclub.org website to find out about all the different fundraisers, about the scoreboard fundraiser and things like that as well. Uh, but, sir, thank you again. Thank you, guys. You guys are incredible, and we really appreciate everything you guys do to support Shepherd University Athletics and athletics in our in our area as well. Absolutely. So step aside. We'll be back uh, here in just a little bit. Wrap things up. Get Parker's picks on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinner. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. Well, fellas, I've talked at length today about my sad car issues that have happened of yesterday and into this morning. But, you know, if it's worth us sacrificing that for a perfect play to Parker's picks, I'll, I'll take it. We went perfect yesterday. Jamal Murray went over on points. The lock of the day was the Nuggets winning game one against the Lakers, which ended up hitting. And the Orioles did end up winning game two of their series against the Angels last night. Good run. We needed a, we needed a perfect play in the month of May, and I was waiting for it. Finally pays off. But let's get into today. Let's try and go back-to-back, and I'm going for lock of the day today. I'm going with the Boston Celtics to beat the Heat in game one tonight. Boston's on a hot streak. I think they win game one here in the garden. It's going to be rocking. And eventually you think at some point Miami is going to run out of steam, right? They've made this miracle run as an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. I think Boston takes game one tonight, sets the tone. And honestly, it might be a little bold here. I could see Boston winning the series in five. I, I think Boston has a really good chance to take things and really control this series tonight. I go with the Celtics winning for today's lock of the day. Also in that game, I got Marcus Smart, guard for the Celtics, getting over five and a half assists. This number, I think, is good. He's going to be dealing the ball to guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown and Robert Williams down low. I think it's a good chance Smart hits this one. So over five and a half assists tonight for Marcus Smart. As well as Spencer Strider for the Atlanta Braves, one of the better pitchers in baseball. has really been excelling the, the strikeout leader in the MLB right now. I have them actually under on nine and a half total strikeouts today against the Rangers. Texas has been playing pretty good ball right now. They got good batters like Nathaniel Lowe, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. I, I don't think Strider's going to be able to strike out 10 today against the Rangers. So I got him under on his strikeout prop for today. So Celtics win today's lock of the day. Marcus Smart over on assists and Spencer Strider under on strikeouts tonight. So this one totally slipped by me yesterday. The NBA draft lottery went down. I'm looking here. looks like the yeah. Wizards get the eight pick. Uh, <laughs> and that's really about it for any of our teams that we're really looking for. But like you said there, it was the sweepstakes for Victor Wimanyama. Right? Yep, that's that's that right? Yeah, I that right. <laughs> so, I didn't want to say it wrong. So the Spurs get the the one, the Victor Wimanyama sweepstakes. For people that aren't that familiar with him as a prospect, he's seven foot two, handles yeah. the ball like a guard, shoots 40% from three. I mean, he's... You know, Giannis, Kevin Durant, he, with Steph Curry's handles, people are calling him the greatest prospect since LeBron. And I'll go ahead and say it, and I'm not, don't jump all over me because I don't think he's going to have LeBron's career, mm-hmm. but he's a better prospect right now than LeBron James was at this point in his life. 
meaning he could be better. I, I don't know. He seems like a different type of athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's just the different yeah. era in which we play. So the Spurs get a chance to to, to pick Victor Wenbanyama first, although Brandon Miller has already come out and said that he's been told that he's going to be the first pick in the draft, <laughs> which course. nobody believes. Yeah. Um, and then the Wizards again pick at eight. My very uh, concise Wizards rant is this team continues to claim that they can compete every single year. They miss out on making the playoffs, and they miss out on picking high in the lottery. So, you know, Keontae George, Brandon Black, picking at eight, you know, they'll either reach on a prospect like Corey Kispert or Troy Brown Jr., or they'll take a talent that falls to them like Denny Avdi or Rui Hachimura that they won't be able to develop. So it's frustrating as a Wizards fan, but, you know, shout out to San Antonio. I think, Parker, I think you might agree with this. This is evident that the NBA lottery is not rigged because the NBA does not really want Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio <laughs> to be quite. They want him in Chicago yeah, or Charlotte the TV or, the coverages, or Houston. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is a, a good look for Greg Popovich to finish out his coaching career, coaching one of the best prospects in NBA history. Well, get this. Now San Antonio has fallen into laps with the number one overall pick in the lottery. It's the third time they've went number one. Last two times they picked David Robinson and Tim Duncan, two NBA <laughs> Hall of Famers. So if that says anything to what Victor Wembanyama's feeling is going to be, you, you got to be looking at something like that. And I don't know if you guys saw this last night or not, but apparently the Trailblazers they end up getting the third pick. They were one number off, yeah. number one. And when, it was no. Dame Lillard there as their draft I can't guy? remember. You know what's funny was – Roy. I, I was sitting there doing the softball game last night. And I had the lottery draft on. It's like I know you Panhandle fans don't care, but I'll do play by play of the lottery. But it was right when Jefferson had that crazy comeback in the fourth. So then I looked down ten minutes later, and the Wizards had gotten the eighth pick, and that was, that was enough for me. The lottery is awesome, man. It's watching the reactions of these, you know, GMs or whoever they throw up there <laughs> to sit there when they get these picks are so funny. You can see the video; it's all over Twitter on ESPN as well. Uh, the Spurs guy was that their GM? I guess that was. I'm not uh, sure uh, whoever who, who it, was. it was that was sitting there, but he freaks out, man. Which of course. <laughs> <laughs> to do i mean that's the, the historic video of the nba draft lottery is the major freak out whenever the uh first pick comes out but got about a minute left here fellas uh we'll start with you luke anything else you want to hit uh pat mcafee's joining espn with an eight got figure salary unbelievable the orioles beat the angels last night and uh, we'll have game two of the regional between jefferson and Mus- uh, hedgesville tonight at seven o'clock on epm and cst park Hoping to rejoin you guys back in the studio tomorrow gonna make a call to a dealer and see what we got going on car and- dealer a lot, of fun, a lot of fun going on. Yeah, what do you say? Car dealer. He's going to make a call to a dealer. Car dealer. He means oh. a car dealer. <laughs> well, he's a cardio dealer. I was like, what is that? Like, I need to call that guy. <laughs> yeah, I hope you get that figured out, buddy. Nobody needs uh, nobody needs their brake lights on all the time. Oh, also, quickly, uh, little brother had a senior night last night. Went one for two. Hey. Oh, there you go. Say, he's been uh, his team's been playing pretty good. Well, you said they're undefeated. Yeah, they're still undefeated. They beat Glenver last night, and they got a game left till they go into the playoffs. Perfect. Well, that just about does it for us today on Panhandle Sports Live. Miss Dana Show, let's back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. We had Shepherd University Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush in to talk about the Allen and Sarah Lewick scoreboard fundraiser they're going uh, through right now, trying to get a big video board over there and upset the bridge crew, which uh, is an inevitability, I think. But anyways, get in touch with us, 304-263-4321 or at EP Sports Network. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.